Hey, my name is Eric, and you're listening to Viral Positivity, a podcast providing community-sourced updates, advice, and encouragement. Eric, thanks for having me on. I'm Marshall Woodworth, um, a Louisiana native. I'm a been a videographer, well, video editor more than anything else, but I do shoot as well. I'm in New Orleans, Louisiana, and I've been living here for years and years and years. Lived here in the 90s, lived here uh, 2002 to Katrina, and I've been back here since 2009. I'm a freelance editor shooter. I'm not in the union. Uh, you know, so I do freelance contract work. So there's no steady employment anywhere. It's, it's a part of, I'm part of the gig economy. All of my jobs have canceled this month. Um, I had five jobs. Um, and as a freelancer, you know, as part of the gig economy, obviously that is my bread and butter and that's all gone. So I'm kind of freaked out and uh, I'm calling it the, the black eyed pea time. Because I'm good at making black eyed peas and they're cheap to make. <laughs> now I'm kind of going into the realm of, you know, what am I going to do to like start paying May's rent and that kind of thing. Come from a heavy French background, uh, Louisiana French. And though so I'm trying to learn Louisiana French, not very successful at that. I have a film, a documentary, it's called Lave and it's mine. Whereas the other films I've done, that I've edited or shot were other people's films. It won some awards, um, technically it came out in 2018, um, but it, I kept it in the film festival circuit until just about a, literally a week ago. And now it's available to see online for free, uh, either on YouTube or on Facebook. And that's Tele Louisiane, T-E-L-E dash Louisiane. You can just look up Lave, L-A, and then the second word is V-E-I-L-L-E, Lave on Tele-Louisiane and you could watch the whole 42 minute documentary for free. We've seen in Louisiana a major drop off of Francophones. Um, now there are some newer Francophones coming here uh, or French immersion kids that are from here. Uh, but the Louisiana French that I grew up with and that most of us who are probably older than probably 30 um, grew up with or heard is quickly evaporating and it's shocking. You just put it up online for free. What does the distribution uh, landscape look like these days as far as independent documentaries? Is there a possibility of getting it picked up by somebody or do you just kind of play festivals and then and then put it up online for free? Well, the hope is to play it in festivals and then you have a distributor buy it to distribute it. And hopefully, best case scenario is I would still retain uh, a percentage of whatever that profit is. Even if it's a DVD sold in southern China, I would still retain a one, two, three, four percent. And that's a, a rarer thing. But I forfeited all that because I feel like this film is a public service film, almost like a giant, but very relaxed PSA, public service announcement for Louisiana. And I really didn't want it to be something that was a commodified, you know, you have to buy it to, I really feel like it was my responsibility to the French community of Louisiana, my family, my ancestors, and the heart of what I'm trying to do that this one, this film just be put up for the public for free. So there will be no distribution or anything like that. And, you know, I've had a couple of people be like, what are you doing? You know, you're hurting yourself. Cause you know, I'm, I'm a real artist. I'm not doing it to be cool. 
it's not a um, it's not a, a side you know traction thing that I'm trying to do. It's I'm a, a real creative person, storyteller, and we struggle. You know, artists like me, except the three percent of us that get a big break. You know, you we get fulfillment from that art, a psychological fulfillment that's almost like a drug, but you will suffer because it's hard to make money. So I've had a lot of people, you know, scold me and be like, what are you doing? But I really feel like this film is for people to see for free. Now I have Lave part two. I'm working on Dizzy and Visite is the sub sub uh, title for it. Say that again. <laughs> it is Dizzy and Visite, which is, uh, it just means the second visit because Lave means to visit in Avoyles Parish. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Or Paroise as as we would say, um, en français. But the second one is a different ball game. The second one is minimum, you know, fifty thousand dollar budget. That I have a couple of people who I've been talking to that have met me in the in the uh, film festival circuits that are interested in investing. Uh, particularly one person um, who is willing to fund the whole thing. But with this coronavirus, that all kind of is put on hold. And now, I, you know, it's back down to a zero dollar kind of thing. But the second one um, will be more of a traditional, you know, be a feature length documentary. I'm going to go to St. Anne's in Nova Scotia uh, in the French immersion program there. Um, and that will be in that'll be part of the story. Subliminally, what I'm doing is even though for me personally and for people in middle and South Louisiana, maybe some people in Mississippi and Texas or North Louisiana too, not to forget those people, um, is there is globalization going on in the whole, on, in the whole world, on the whole earth. And this is regional cultures sort of under attack all over the world. And so I believe, and this is my personal belief, now, Lave 2 will go much deeper into this, but there is a loss of connectivity between people. When you lose your regional culture, you're basically, by proxy, losing your regional communal connectivity. And that communal connectivity between people uh, has goods and bads parts. I'm not trying to say the good old days were amazing and better, because I've learned to not say that anymore. I don't say good old days anymore. And I'm trying to cherry pick the good parts that they really had down better. And they were forced to because of limited resources. I mean, everybody's pawpaws and mamas and mostly were not rich. Most people were generally poor. The Great Depression didn't mean anything to them because they were already so poor. So very little changed. People were just more connected. And now that we've seen the unraveling of that, we're watching it in real time. I believe that this is part of why there's like so many shooters, mass shooters, um, because there's no filtration process for these people anymore. There's no cousins and, you know, it takes a village to raise a child kind of thing. Well, now that's all people are very isolated, you know, and it's egged on by like internet and cell phones and video games. So really the film is subconsciously about is like, we need to get back to our connectivity. It's healthier for us. You know, I haven't lived in Europe or Africa or Russia to know, but here I see it happening. And so I want to do something about it. I'm getting into animation. I'm kind of new to it. 
but I've done a couple of cartoons and one was for Codafil, which is the council of the development of French in Louisiana. And we just finished that one. There is a big push, particularly amongst younger people to they're taking an interest in French again. And so Codafil is going to become bigger and bigger, especially with St. Luke's. Um, they're taking donation now. St. Luke's is trying to open up soon. I think maybe in a year or a year and a half. And that's a, an adult French immersion program here in Louisiana, where you learn Louisiana French uh, as an adult. It's not an immersion program for kids. And Codafil, just before this pandemic broke out, this was only about a week and a half ago, uh, they want to do another cartoon. So, um, and they're basically PSA, French PSAs, you know, explaining the difference between Cajun and Creole French and that kind of thing. But right now, man, it's some tough. I'm hoping for the best. I'm hoping three to six weeks and then this will all kind of start dying down. But as it stands right now, it's pretty terrifying. And, and it's not just me. I mean, literally everybody I know, either personally or just kind of somebody I worked with on a cruise somewhere, all the film and video people are all freaking out. I'm not prepared for three to six weeks of not going grocery shopping at all. And I don't think anyone else is that I know. I think people are having mixed feelings. Now, in New Orleans, at least, it is in our culture. I don't care if you're white, black, rich, or poor. It is in our culture that we weather hard times by celebrating, oftentimes partying and drinking. I've been through multiple hurricanes here. Um, I left the day before Katrina, so I wasn't here for literally Katrina hitting, but like Hurricane Ivan and all those tropical storms, Cindy. I mean, that was like, all right, who's going to buy the booze? And I'm sure a lot of people are like that right now. They're just not taking it that seriously. And I'm not going to consume any alcohol because that lowers your immune system. So I'm trying to eat healthy do some exercises and just stay indoors and work on my kid's book. And that's pretty much my whole day every day for the next foreseeable future. I've been drawing casually my entire life. I mean, literally since I was one or two years, could pick up a pencil um, and was planning on being a Disney animator up until I was in eighth grade. I even went to Disney and met some of the animators um, which was an amazing experience and a privilege that no one, very few people get to do. That's incredible. Yeah, not not as a tourist, like actually got to go meet. So that was my destiny. And then that changed when I saw Tim Burton's Batman in, in the opening credits. I was like, nah, I think I want to be, I want to do this. I want to film stuff. I basically kind of wasted my 20s, uh, you know, partying and traveling and hitchhiking and didn't do anything about it. Finally decided to buckle down. And in 2009, I uh, went to the University of New Orleans and took film. Had been pursuing it seriously ever since. And being a freelancer, you know, I don't have rich parents. There's no silver spoon. There's nobody coming to my rescue if I can't pay my bills. It's hard to be a real artist. It's like these Jackson Square artists. Anybody who sells art in Jackson Square you automatically have a respect for because 
that is a hard way to live. That's not going to an office. There's no steady paycheck. There's no 401k. You are living because you love to do what you do. About a year and a half ago, I was having a slow period and I didn't have a lot of work and I was getting terribly afraid that I'm just, I'm going to end up on food stamps or I'm going to end up on, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do to pay bills. And said, you know what? I still can draw. Let me try that. So I started drawing and basically fell back in love with drawing. I went and spent a couple hundred dollars on watercolors. I just, you know, started pulling out of my tiny savings to said, this, this is what I can do. I can do a animation. I can learn animation like I originally wanted two years ago. And now I'm working on a kid's book. And through that whole process, got the opportunity. You know, I had a friend call me and say, hey, we want to do a cartoon. We heard, you know, we know you can draw. You so I flew to Atlanta, Georgia, and we did basically my first. It's only a minute and a half long, but it's a really amazing little cartoon. Codafil saw that, and then they knew I was big into French because I had the La Bay film. And um, commissioned me and uh, Philippe Bilodeau of uh, Fouffolet, the band Fouffolet. Um, you might know him in Lafayette. Um, to do a cartoon. And now I'm just, originally it was to kind of save me through hard times. And now I'm kind of like full blown, really just into it. My advice would just be general advice. Uh, I don't know how it would apply for these times. Because this is, as you know, this is all new. We, we don't know how to deal with, I don't even know how to deal with this. I'm looking for work myself as far as to make up for all these canceled jobs. And I'm sure they'll come back when this is over, they'll come back. First off, I'd say to be a filmmaker or an artist of any kind is a labor of passion. And if you don't love it with every fiber in your body, please do something else because you're going to have hardships and it's going to be hard, especially in this country. The whole country is kind of like that, where it's so weird that we just don't have a lot of programs to support artists. Now, there's the Musicians Clinic here in New Orleans, which is kind of a step in the right direction. You know, if you can prove to be a musician, um, you can go to this clinic for heavily discount or a sliding scale. I play music casually most of my life as a drummer. Um, and I was playing in a band for a couple of years and I had to submit to them a bunch of stuff to prove that I was a musician, including our recordings that we had made. <laughs> it's not like you really want these songs. Okay. Here's a CD. Here's paperwork showing we did these gigs. You can cook at home. It's a great time to, Hey, connect with your friends and family. You know, this is a great time to call, you know, and, Let's all, you know, not that I'm trying to advocate big gatherings of people, but as far as your personal friends and family, go stay at each other's houses. And look, dogs and cats and animals don't get this virus. So you can take your dog out for a bunch of walks, like one of the things I'm doing later today. I'm taking my friend's corgi out to the park. Um, of course, you know, wash your hands. Don't try not to be touching on anything. Um, Netflix. And, and for me personally, I'm working on my kid's book and that's what I do in between gigs. And so now I'm like doing that for several hours today called Amulets and Kingdoms. And I'm going to be doing an English and a French version. Uh, Amulets et Royaume. 
I think is how you say that. Um, and it is, you know, it's a fantasy uh, genre. I don't see fantasy genres very much. I see a plethora of children's books. Uh, I've been a number of times to visit children's sections at bookstores and things. And I kind of see that there's, eh, a lot of the stuff is a little generic and I, I just feel like I, I can do something more unique and creative. And growing up in the eighties, I don't know how old you are, but I, I remember there was like fantasy science fiction galore. Um, it was an amazing time for fantasy in the early eighties and mid eighties. And all that is, is coming out of me. And so it's kind of like, he-Man for eight and nine-year-olds in a way. Well, He-Man was for eight and nine-year-olds, but this is, it, it's kind of, you know, it's kind of innocent, but it's not like any blood or war. As yeah, did, did you ever read the Hardy Boys? The Hardy Boys and Tom Swift, like the books from like the 60s and 70s? I remember them uh, growing up. Uh, it's so weird that I didn't like to read when I was that age. So I would get the Hardy boys books and even the Nancy Drew books. And I would pretend to read them and I would just kind of hold them and smell them, but I wouldn't actually read them <laughs> because they had that smell. And I, the, you know, the they've been around, like you said, from the sixties. So they've been in the library, the kids book that I'm doing, it's not just fantasy for escapism. And I want to be clear about that is that I'm sort of subtly infusing a lot of little morals in it. Um, mostly, to stick together and that teamwork, when you work with people, you can accomplish a lot more than if you were just on your own. To get up and do something to, to make your life better, kind of like how Ghostbusters was, that it was like Ghostbusters was amazingly positive for kids and still is because it promotes teamwork, you know? And that's what this book is about. Teamwork and community wrapped up and all these crazy He-Man, never-ending story type fantasy stuff from the 80s. 